You're listening to the Painted Goddess Podcast with Jennifer Hershu. This is episode number 68. Witches, how are you today? It is a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Um, it's been in the high 80s, mid 90s in Washington State. Um, I'm sandwiched between Tacoma and Seattle, and um, yeah, these hot days are not um, what I'm used to for sure, but I will say that there's something about this year where I've taken care of my garden um, because of being home more and more attentive to my plants um, the last couple of years. So my garden is just thriving right now. And, you know, last year it was kind of like this building year because I was working from home. So I just, it's a good reminder that when we tend to things consistently, things tend to be more consistent. And I needed to hear that right now because I have been off of my yoga game and my body is like revolting against me <laughs> a little bit. So I'm not sure if you've hit the funk, you know, um, definitely feeling the uh, physical distance of this year. And... Um, and now it's Leo season, you guys. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about Leo season. We're going to talk about Lunasa, um, one of the pagan wheel of the year holidays. And we're just going to kind of talk about what this time of year, especially in the Northern Hemisphere, um, you know, can kind of uh, mean as well as... Um, what it can lend itself to. I do want to make sure that I, um, you know, mention it was one of my goals to really have these in-person events, this witchcrafting series around the wheel of the year. And I lost steam on it and it's okay. Like things have happened clearly. Um, and I had two events. I did both, um, uh, Beltane and, oh no, I just did Beltane. Um, we ended up doing, I, I had scheduled, um, um, to have Ostara in, um, real life. And it was close, but it was right when everything shut down. And so I did that online kind of quickly. But I completely planned to have Beltane online. And we did it. It was a beautiful altar-making workshop. We showed pictures of people's altars and spoke about the, the, um, the holiday itself, the origins and that kind of thing. Now, of course, 
in researching any of these pagan holidays, which I highly suggest you do, you'll notice, as maybe I did, maybe you'll notice as I did, that um, not only is there these woven pieces of, um, you know, kind of co-opted, um, you know, Christianity has kind of co-opted these original pagan holidays uh, based on the seasons, the turning of the year, living communally even. You know, communal living was a huge deal when you couldn't survive alone. <laughs> Big surprise, right? Not really, right? So, so um, anyways, it, it actually, to have it even then online, it really deepened my depression, to be honest, around not only am I not living in a witch's commune, um, but I'm also, you know, feeling very distant from my, my, my friends and family who would celebrate these, um, passages of time together. Um, so I began to just kind of let that fade away and here we are. So, yeah. So there's a little bit about that. Well, last, last podcast, I talked all about the moon. <clears throat> the moon in your chart. And it really was, um, you know, we have been in the lab, in the astrologic lab, talking about the moon sign. And I actually have a class this afternoon um, with all of the members and um, to talk about everybody's moon signs and really dig deep. And something that I've recognized as we look into this work, I think it's easy to, you know, share memes and kind of feel, oh yeah, and like kind of identify with certain narratives around, you know, my moon, my moon's in Leo, right? <laughs> so it's easy for me to kind of settle into those narratives. But when you deepen it and you say, oh, but it's also in the third house, or it's also, you know, I have a Sagittarius moon, but it's also in the second house. Like what exactly can we gain from really looking into the whole piece of it? Right. Because obviously astrology is created for the masses from the astrological standpoint of being consumable and digestible best it can be. Right. So, and as a population, as a culture, as more of us have been studying it on our own. I think, you know, it's become a little more um, nuanced and dynamic, even the quote unquote layman kind of astrologer, somebody who's, you know, dabbling or even somebody who's just like paying attention, um, I think can handle and, um, and, and recognize these kind of different nuances that come through. And I'm really excited um, for astrology to kind of be in that space. Cause it definitely wasn't true 20 years ago when I was, you know, secretly trying to get everybody's birth times and do their charts and then, you know, <laughs> figure them out, um, in like some secret thing. And then if I told them about themselves, I would get one of two responses, which was, well, everybody's like that, which, okay. Yeah. True. In some way. But of course, the nuances are where the, the details are or the 
where the truth is, right? That's all in that in that nuanced area. And and really that takes self-discovery. Would I okay. And what I'm excited about in the lab is that all of you if many of you listen, all of your all of you who are who are taking this work and really integrating it and and digging deep, it's like you're pulling answers out of yourself. Why should I as an astrologer be able to tell you how your moon in Sagittarius in the fifth house feels when I have my moon in Leo in the third? And not to say that I can't extrapolate from the different archetypes and things and give a reading and not not just that, but that astrologers, you know, can really get in a heart centered place and channel information, um, which is something that I've slowly realized that is a part of what I'm doing is kind of getting out of my um, own way, my own logical mind and allowing the words to just kind of come out as I do my readings for people. Um, because I don't remember what I say most times. And I also, um, yeah, I just, sometimes I'll, I'll, yeah, it's, it's a very interesting experience, um, as a reader these days. So I'm just really excited that, that there's more people coming in. I'm welcoming in. There's three new members this month and hopefully more to come. So I'm um, really grateful and excited that I get to spend more and more time on this work, teaching more classes, offering more content, um, and learning from all of the amazing people who are also in the lab doing their work and sharing it with the community. So all of that, all of the things. Um, a few housekeeping things um, otherwise before we really get into the feast of this podcast. Um, maybe you know this, maybe you don't, but I create horoscopes every month. Um, essentially, it goes by the sun season. So right now I'm working on Virgo season horoscopes. I write horoscopes for every day of the season in that um, zodiac sign. And I design it into a little book and I send that book off to the wonderful people at the Magical Earth in Enumclaw, Washington, which is a beautiful, amazing crystal shop. They also have a subscription box at three different levels. If you get the premium or the essentials box, you will get the um, the astrology that I write every month. So it's a wonderful way to treat yourself. It comes with little magical gifts, always amazing crystals, because that's definitely her um, jam, but also um, seasonal arch, uh, like art, art, uh, altar pieces or ritual tools. Um, she's had handmade journals. She's put together uh, crystal grid boards. She's done... Um, you know, this month for the Leo box, there were all these little pieces so you could put together a sachet, like a spell sachet for courage, um, which is definitely a theme of Leo season. So if you have never uh, heard of that, go to themagicalearth.com or you can go to my Instagram and click on the link in the bio to the Magical Earth box and you'll be whisked away to their website where you could order one or 
several in a row um, and you get volume discounts if you subscribe. So that pays me out. So it's a way to support my work as well. And another small business, women owned, um, fantastic um, work that they're doing. And I appreciate being part of it. So little plug for them. And then um, I am, you know, the lab is always open. So if you're feeling called to come and start doing the work, I have a lot of questions always like, is it too late to start? You know, I created the lab as an ongoing thing. Definitely the people who started at the beginning and who have done the work consistently are going to see a different um, kind of depth every month, right? So all the better reason to get started as soon as possible. But you're not going to be quote-unquote behind. The cool thing about astrology is that it's like a dartboard. You can throw a dart into any place and then dive into that porthole, right? You don't have to start at the quote beginning and there is no end. There is no end to astrology and the rabbit holes you can go on. And if you are um, feeling called now and really want to start, I think that I've created a really, really cool system to help you dive in, to feel into the cycles we really base the work off of the Book of Houses, um, which is a book written by Robert Cole and another gentleman that I've forgotten the name of right now, but that's okay because I'm human. And, um, you know, basically, if you wanted to check out some of that, you can go to, you know, your bookseller. And um, right now, you know, it's like $11 um, on Amazon. <laughs> and... You can go and get the book. Um, if you have another bookseller, I, I recommend that. Um, but, you know, quarantine times. So you can get that book and you can do this work yourself. That book has really simplistic ways of expressing how to look up your natal chart, how to, although there are more, um, it's an older book, so... Um, you can look up your chart, look up the degrees, find out your solar harvest cycle. What I've done is taken that to the lunar level. So we look at our solar harvest, right? Because we spend about a month-ish in every house of our chart. The sun moves through, right? So the sun right now is in Leo, right? We're in Leo season. So the sun right now is in Leo in your chart. And it's activating that house's chief job, focus, um, part of the harvest cycle, right? So as you follow the sun and recognize that we kind of go through these seasons quite individually, and then you can even, you know, drill it down to the lunar level and say, if I want to work with a certain aspect of my harvesting, the moon's going to help me do that because the moon goes through my every uh, every sign every month right not just once a year for a month like the sun seasons are you with me <laughs> so there's this sense that we can kind of zoom in and zoom out and then um the other cool thing that we're really doing in the lab is as we go through the seasons we talk about like right now we're talking about um, cancer season still and our moon sign. Okay. So the planetary ruler of cancer is the moon. So we're going to talk about cancer and the moon. 
Now, of course, this first year of the Astrologic Lab is definitely foundational. So next year, I'm going to switch it up. I'm not going to be talking again about Cancer and the moon, although the moon sign is, quote unquote, one of the keys of your chart and definitely important enough to, to continue to deepen that. Um, but some of the other planets, we might shift it up. We're going to learn about goddess asteroids. We're going to learn about north nodes. We're going to talk about, um, you know, aspects eventually and different things. But it, I really want to make it digestible and I want it to be approachable no matter when you start. So the answer to that question of is it too late? It's absolutely not too late. No matter when you hear this podcast, whether you've heard this podcast in the middle of a pandemic or many, many years later, um, I feel like this work is my life's work. And I don't think I've ever said that before. And now I'm going to cry. But I really do think that I'm building something that can help people to... Um, engage with the flow of their lives and to sweeten um, the days with a little bit of hope and, and, and focus, you know, right? Because we're co-creating with the universe. It's one of the things that I think astrology helps me to learn is how to move with, move with the world, move with the energy, move with what's being presented, um, and it's paying attention. And Western astrology is definitely um, grounded, based on, foundationed in the seasons. So there's all of that. <laughs> so <clears throat> in the lab, you get the harvest cycle work and support. You get Zodiac Lab Elementary, which is all these great worksheets that I made that are basically like one of those kindergarten workbook pages with... Um, you know, big lines that you can practice your symbols, which I'm super obsessed about. I was always a nerd in school, loved worksheets and pencils and shit like that. So I just love this idea. There's also um, planetary workbooks. So every month you get a download of content that has the new um, zodiac symbols and the um, planetary workbook that we're focusing on this month. Um, as I mentioned right now, it's the moon. So it's a, you know, I think it's like a 10-page um, workbook. It varies. There's room for contemplation, room for and prompts for really diving deep into what your moon sign in your house, kind of prompting you to really think about these different kinds of ways that we can mix around the metaphors of the archetypes of astrology so that you get a deeper understanding and a more kind of textural understanding and of course, it's asking for you to to learn about yourself. So what better way to like, you know, than to ask important questions or, or think through with different lenses on. Right. So I'm asking you to put different lenses on and say, well, in this lens, who are you in this lens? How do you feel in this lens? How do you respond? Then there was also live Zoom classes. My intention <laughs> A little airplane. My intention was always to have them maybe once a month, but I'm having so much fun and there's so much activity. I've got two planned this month, um, as well as had, I think I had three last month. Um, and really it has to do with people's engagement. If people keep showing up to these classes and are super engaged and excited to come, I'm going to keep having them, um, and doing them more. 
um, because we can learn more when people are engaged more. And of course, you know, um, when, when it feels like we need to break or take, you know, step back, um, that's happening in August. I happen to be taking a whole week of vacation, which I have scheduled and I'm excited about. It's going to be so lovely. Um, but yeah, I'm always, we also have a mighty network group. So, um, it's off of Facebook. There's no, um, ads, all that. And it's really cool. It's super cool. So there's different topics and threads that you can talk about, um, post in, and then you can read about, right? So already, you know, when you click on the, you know, the moon sign, um, topic, you're going to see a whole bunch of people who post posted about their moon signs. When you click on the natal chart gallery, you're going to see everyone's natal chart and you can see how different everybody's chart is when you go. It's so cool. It's so cool. And you can go around by topic. You can, you know, when you go to the introductions, you can meet all the people who came in and have introduced themselves. And I want to say, if you're part of the lab and you've not gone and interacted with people, that's cool if that's not your thing. But I really, really think it deepens the work. It shows you how different and unique you are by seeing other people's charts and I think it's also pretty fun. All right. <laughs> so I want to also just let you know that's $37 a month. Okay. I'm asking for that amount because I pay that amount for business coaching. I pay that amount for another service. And I tell, I, I think that amount is enough to have some skin in the game where I feel it. Where if I'm not doing the work, I say, you know what? It's not worth this money to me. And it's okay, right? Um, I've had some members who, who leave and it's like, if you're not spending the time, you're not getting the value. Like, that's cool. But, um, but I think, you know, I always have to have some skin in the game. I always have to pay for the things that I pay attention to. Um, or I usually don't value them. So I think that it's a fair price it's very valuable knowledge and um, it's a bit of community as well. And it's only growing, it's only getting bigger. And I hope that I see you in the lab. All right, on the other side of this uh, shameless plug for Spotify, which I always uh, play, thanks for, for the support, Spotify. Um, we're gonna pull a card for Leo season and we're gonna talk about the full moon a little bit in Aquarius, which is coming next Monday, how that plays into Leo season. And then we're going to just talk about Lunasa a little bit. So come on back. Welcome back, witches. Okay, so Leo season. Now, the first thing you need to know about the Leo archetype is that it is ruled by the sun. And I think this really helps to conceptualize what Leo season really is about, which is the center, the core. And, you know, the sun is its ruler and it's the center of our solar system, right? It's literally called the solar system because of the sun. So remember, especially it's easy to forget, I think, and I do this all the time, where astrology feels like everything's revolving around the earth, right? Because that's really where the perspective of astrology is, is from the perspective of the earth. That's the only reason that planets go retrograde. It's the only reason that we see the kinds of transits that we do is because we are 
literally taking it from the earth's perspective. Now, that's important. That is important because just as we, from an astrological standpoint, take the perspective of being on earth, earthlings, in our own chart, we take the center. It's like we are the center in so many ways. So we're experiencing these energies come in and out of our field as well. Make sense? <clears throat> if it doesn't, that's okay. But I do want to emphasize that Leo has something to teach us that some of the, like none of the other um, Zodiac can teach us, even though there's similarities, and we'll talk about that in a second, about being centered, about the core, about the core that gives life, the core that gives energy, right? Leo is the fixed fire sign, and it happens in the middle of summer in the Northern Hemisphere, in the middle of the winter in the Southern Hemisphere. So, you know, as Australians, completely different, interesting thing where the sun is absent of the center. Now, you can tell who made, you know, this brand of astrology based on the on the seasons of the northern hemisphere really <clears throat> and paganism is much the same way when we talk about lunasa lunasa is the first harvest celebrated you know basically um according to my dear friend marilyn pnw priestess um from Ju july 31st to august 2nd you know august 2nd is often the official date um, astrologically, I always like to think of this because it helps me to understand the energy of it. But really, um, Lunasa is celebrated at 15 degrees Leo. Um, or, or, you know, expressed, you could say, because Lunasa or Lamas is a first harvest festival. And so it's really about, you know, it's been, you know, there's been growth all summer. The sun has been doing its work, you know, giving life to these plants, pulling them out of the ground, literally, you know. And, um, of course, that means a very different thing in the southern hemisphere where there is no sun. So I think it's interesting to consider just that. Always polarity. The earth always has both things. So even while the sun is rules Leo and it's the fixed fire sign. It has two expressions, one of middle summer and one of middle winter, right? Blowing your mind. Okay. So we want to, in astrology, always just continue to contemplate. There's no right answer. There's no way that a Leo acts. If you've met Leos who have, you know, who all have their own um, kaleidoscope of placements in their chart um, and really started to dig, yeah, you can find traits that are, you know, definitively Leo-vibed in almost in everyone because you have Leo in your chart. In fact, I created a graphic for um, the Magical Earth horoscope that I'll, I'll share it on Instagram. I have actually in my stories, but not sure I did um, in my feed yet. So where everyone is a Leo, you have Leo in your chart. It's not just sun and Leo or moon and Leo, or even any of the other planets, right? You have Leo in your chart. It's living in one of the houses in your natal chart. 
And when you start to really deepen that, that thought around, ooh, okay, well, how am I a Leo? How does, how does, where does that Leo energy express itself? And you might find that it's in the seventh house or the eighth house or whatever. And maybe it has no planets, which everyone always asks, like, oh, there's no planets in that house. Like, what does that mean? It, it doesn't mean anything. It means that, you know, if it were a Leo house, right, if Leo's living in the, the seventh house, say, and there's no other planets, it means that the seventh house and Leo are associated together in your chart. And the sign is the how and the house is the where, right? Now, if you have then, it's enough to have tra planets transit through there. So right now, the sun is moving through that seventh house in Leo, right? Um, there are no other planets in Leo. The moon will go there, right? Um, but right now, no other planets are in Leo, um, Venus, is it Venus is moving into Leo during Virgo season? I have to look now. I was just doing, um, horoscopes for Virgo season yesterday. I finished them up, got them off to my beautiful proofing queen. Um, and I noticed that, is it, it might be Mercury. Yeah, Mercury enters Leo on the 4th of August. So right after, you know, next Tuesday, which is the 4th of August, you guys. Whoa. Um, so, so we will have, during Leo season, Mercury and Leo, which is pretty great because Mercury represents the mental aspect, the mind, the thoughts, the ideas, the curiosity, um, and so when Mercury is moving through that Leo part of your chart, oh man, you're going to have so many bold and big ideas because Leo does not do anything small, right? So let's get back to really talking about what the archetype of Leo is. It's the leader. It's the creator, um, the creative. It's the performer, right? It's the performance, right? So Leos really do love to be seen. So wherever Leo is in your chart, you probably like to be seen in that way, right? It's not where you necessarily hide, like where Pisces might be in your chart, which is something that maybe you want to keep a little closer to the chest, right? Wherever Leo is in your chart, you want people to see. You want it to be, you know, have pride about that. You associate that part of you with... Um, it, with confidence, right? You express that part of you with confidence. Now, that's not to say that there's not trauma around that and that we don't learn different programs that change the way our natal chart aspects express themselves, okay? And that's why I think astrology and learning about your chart can be so liberating is because when we learn about our true nature and we feel it, you feel the, the vibe of like, oh, that's me, I feel that. Oh my goodness. I've been abandoning that part of myself. For what reason? Someone told me I wasn't good at that. Or someone told me I shouldn't do that. Or someone told me I should be careful. Whatever the fucking story was, right? So when we are mirrored, right? Our, our, 
our natal chart is kind of like this mirror. And so when you can decipher what's in this mirror, it becomes um, a call to come home to yourself. And it's very, very powerful. So we really are with the Leo archetype wondering, you know, and I, you know, I was talking, um, uh, building the, the astrologic lab content and it came to me like, I need to talk about confidence this month. I need to talk about how we look into what we've, you know, kind of branded as our, 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 um, our way that we're confident and see if we can work through some of the blockages. If there are any, um, toot our horns and, and be a little more, um, proud of what we've accomplished. Um, you know, Leo never has a problem with being proud. In fact, you know, Leo on its shadow end, you know, shadow energy of the Leo archetype can be quite narcissistic, can be quite, um, you know, because of the self-centered part of it, right? If, if you're focusing only on your own needs and, you know, kind of dismissing others' needs, then it can be become very toxic, especially in relationships. So it's interesting to see not just where, you know, where Leo is, this might be also where you center yourself, where you believe you're the most important. Okay. So Leo energy definitely advocates for its own importance. It's like, I am the important one. I am, I am the center. Things revolve around me. Um, and, and so making sure we know where that part of our chart is can kind of like keep an eye on that maybe, right? The Virgo in me is very aware of my Leo moon and Leo Mercury, even though I can't stop it most of the time. I've built certain structures that those parts of myself kind of have to carry around, including um, respect for others, you know, respect for people's divinity, um, a real sense of, of collective, um, you know, and I've learned from the different archetypes. I'm thinking, you know, my Virgo has helped me to, to, to tether and my, um, Aqu my Aquarius parts have helped me to tether. We, we have all these signs in our chart and we can kind of help balance through the, through the opposites, through the polarities. So when we talk about Leo, you know, we really also have to talk about Aquarius because Aquarius is the opposite on the wheel of the Zodiac. So this is fifth house, 11th house in a traditional astrological wheel. The fifth house is Leo, right? <coughs> Excuse me. Again, all about the self um, and, and our environment. When we're in the bottom basket of our chart, when we're in the bottom bar part of our chart, it's kind of the below the line part. When we're above the line, these are the things where we interact with the world. So the 11th house is where Aquarius has built this house. And the Aquarius house is built by collective vision, by win-win situations, by everybody mattering the same in a really radical way. Um, it's built by questioning authority, right? The Aquarius house has no right angles. <laughs> to me, the Aquarius house is definitely built in... Um, 
in a very new age fashion. The Leo house is built probably with bricks. It's a brick house, right? Just like me. So there's this sense that that polarity can teach us what does it mean to really center the self and what can it mean to really center and prioritize the collective and that polarity. It's not either or ever. It's yes. And right. Yes, I matter. And I bring my own brand of, of bold vision and the collective vision is also feeding me. We are in relationship. So these polarities in um, the astrological wheel are by no mistake. When you, Whenever you are wondering like, God, you know, I have this part of my chart. And I, I spoke about this a bit when I spoke to Sydney Bridges of A Sense of Peace. Um, you can go back and listen to that interview if you have not. It's fantastic. I love Sydney. She's fantastic. She's in the lab too. Um, but there's this, there's this, you know, a, there's this opportunity to work with polarities and that comes through very often with the moon cycles as well. Because when we have a new moon in one sign on the opposite side, that full moon is going to be in the opposite sign. So we just had, if you do not know, you haven't been listening to the podcast, but <laughs> we just had two new moons in Cancer in a row, which is uncommon, but not, right? It, it happens every couple years or so. And um, it's because there was a, a, a new moon at zero degrees Cancer and at 29 degrees Cancer. So the next new moon is at 26 degrees Leo on the 18th of August. And so we've been having kind of like new moons, then full moons in the polarity, right? Because we had the new moon in Cancer, and then we had the, the full moon eclipse in Capricorn, right? In June. And then we go back and we have another new moon in Cancer. Well, now we're going to have a full moon in Aquarius. Well, those aren't across from each other, right? So what does that mean? <laughs> it's a whole nother rabbit hole. But when we shift that changing of the guards where the full moon leads, then we think about, well, what does a full moon mean? It's illumination. It is the fullness of being. It is um, things that have come to fruition and we are, you know, called to feel grateful for that, right? Um, it's the beginning of the wane cycle. So after a full moon, it starts to disseminate and we banish those things that we don't need anymore during a waxing phase. Like after the new moon, we're calling in resources, we're calling in wisdom, we're calling in data information and, um, and, and the things that we need in order to, uh, to accomplish our dreams, our projects, our goals, our mental health, Right. So when we have the full moon now leading this polarity, it's just a shift. It's interesting, right? We used to lead this polarity uh, relationship um, and, and it'll stay in this fashion where full moon then new moon is the polarity uh, relationship until we have another double new moon. So really interesting. 
So this new full moon in Aquarius is asking us to remember the fullness of our collective, what it is to collectively care for others, what it means to collectively share resources, what does it mean to collectively build something that benefits others and ourselves. It's not asking us to, to relinquish self-identity, quite the opposite. It's asking us for integration on a radical and like contemplative level that brings in the best of humanity where everyone gets to win and it takes a kind of lightheartedness um and belief in the the kind of weird right aquarius is ruled by uranus it's not it's not concerned with being super normal right and being across from Leo, it's an interesting kind of thing because, you know, Leo is how we express our confidence, right? And the house that it's in and the planets that are there kind of shift that energy um, in its own way. But being ruled by the sun says, I'm the most important. And so we have to negotiate with that, with the, like the, with the uniqueness of others, with the perspective is of others that we can't possibly, it's like, you know, I, when you're, when you're seeking to understand, there's a certain amount of, you know, or certain kinds of things like shoes you can put on, right? They fit. It's like, uh, I don't like these shoes, but they fit. I get it. Right. I wouldn't want to walk a mile in these shoes, <laughs> but I can put them on and, you know, and see how they look against, my the cuffs of my jeans and um you know i can see why some might feel that they're comfortable um i don't like how they're made i don't <laughs> i don't like the labor involved whatever so you can bring all the me metaphors into that um but and and so with leo it's like i don't need anybody else's shoes it's like my shoes are definitely the best so you know um, whereas the Aquarian energy, this is a weird analogy, but I'm going with it. You know, it's like this hall of shoes. And can you just decide that, wow, like when you put all the shoes together, it's quite a fucking show. And, and we've got to figure out how to lighten our hearts. Now, it's no mistake in my book that Leo rules the heart, the chest, the core of our body. So it's where we move from when you, you know, even right now, if you're sitting, if you're standing, you can kind of, you know, like really engage your core and move from there. It directs everything else, right? A strong core can indicate how well you squat, how well you bend over, how flexible you are, you know, how mobile you are comes from your core strength and flexibility or mobility. So that is how Leo is. So the strength of your own resilience, the strength of your own identity allows you to see others and say, well, I know who I am and it's okay. And in fact, inspiring when someone else knows who the fuck they are too. And I cannot attack them for that. I can question them. And if they are of the mind that they're strong in their, they, I believe, I believe if you are strong in your mind and I happen to have Mercury and Leo, so this is very, this is very Mercury and Leo in the third house, right? In the communication house. If you are solid in who you believe you are, 
you still can contemplate new ideas and incorporate them with curiosity. You can even try them on if you want with no consequence to your identity. <laughs> right? You can. You can try new thoughts on like you're at Target trying on jeans. You can do that. Now, it's not always easy. And definitely, if you've got a lot going on in Leo, you may decide, well, I've already got the best opinions. I've already got the best. Why would I waste my time? And the full moon in Aquarius knows and sun in Aquarius, moon in Aquarius, people, people with lots of placement in Aquarius, and maybe that's you. They know I am more, I am strengthened in my resolve, in my own identity and the expression of myself and the confidence I have for my own beliefs and feelings when I contemplate and try on other thoughts and beliefs and feelings. When I say, wow, you know, because a Leo, a very fixed fire Leo thing to do is like use these ultimative terms like always and never. Gosh, I always feel this way. I never feel that way. You know, you never pay attention to me. I always have to ask you for permission. I don't know why these sentences are coming out. So, but there's these always and never, which is, by the way, kind of like this negative affect thing in, in psychology. And it's very prominent with Leo placements to have that, that always and never because it's so fixed and because it's so fiery, it fights for its own, um, like solid place. <clears throat> so when we talk about how we can, you know, how do we get out of our own way? We look across the zodiac wheel and we see Aquarius and there's Aquarius. We walk into this massive closet of shoes. Some are worn, some are brand new, all the colors of the rainbow, organized however your Virgo heart loves. <laughs> and because you have Virgo in you too. And you recognize that we are all so different that there's no way to say like I'm the best you're just different so and this extends as far as I'm concerned because you know um knowing that from the perspective of recent polit politics you know Leo energy is very much alive we were in these, the Leo, Leo, um, Aquarius nodes when, um, the current inhabitant of the white house took office. He's got a lot of Leo in his chart and that kind of centeredness unchecked can become quite toxic. And when you believe that others have, taken an, an opposite position of you and that's not valuable then you lose the interaction you lose the reason that you even are yourself at all is to be seen is to be seen and no one sees you when you're shouting and insisting upon your own reality without 
contemplating the other versions of reality that are clearly within the human psyche. Right? So for Leo season, I hope that you become so confident that you can try on so many different ideas and not let that rock your world, not let it crumble everything. Or maybe it would. <laughs> maybe it would. Maybe it will start to allow you to, to dissolve some of the calcitrate stuff that's locked in around your core so that you can become a little more agile, a little more mobile. I want to also just leave you with this thought. And that is that this full moon in Aquarius, it is, it is the, sh like, it is the ultimate kind of shedding of the illusion that we can do this on our own. So reach out to people who, um, that you want to build stuff with. Now is the time to start to organize and remember that Leo lesson that if you're feeling attacked, if you're feeling vulnerable, by the way, cancer season tried to teach this to us two new moons in a row, plus a Mercury retrograde there, right? Wants us to remember that vulnerability is strength so that when we get to this Leo season, we remember that our identity is a beautiful thing and it makes up the collective by us being ourselves. We don't have to fight for others to be like us. We don't have to fight for others to do as we do, right? From both sides, we can kind of say, let me learn. And it's up to us to lean in and try on some new shoes. All right, that's all I got for you today. I love you. I hope that you're having a wonderful week and I'll talk to you next week. Just kidding. All right. So I didn't say one fucking thing about Lunasa except to say that it's usually a first harvest. And I want to just give you a little bit of a ritual suggestion for Lunasa, which is this weekend. On July 31st, which is Friday, take some time to walk into nature and gather something. If you've been growing vegetables, it's a wonderful time to gather vegetables. If you've been growing herbs, it's a great time to harvest some herbs. They are at the peak of their power from growing with the sun. So harvest something. You might have, you know, um, a beautiful time with your children. You might have a beautiful time with something else that you've been harvesting. So connect with what it is that is growing in abundance for you. And I hope that you will um, do that in, with as many people as possible. Ideally, we could be like harvesting and then preserving things together. My idea for the witchcrafting series for Lunasa was to make fire cider as a community. So in that um, vein, 
I have fire cider that I made earlier this pandemic, and I have bottles of that available. If you want to reach out to me, um, I can probably get them to you. It's delicious handcrafted cider, um, organic, uh, raw and filtered apple cider vinegar, horseradish, garlic, cayenne, rosemary, turmeric. It's a really potent stuff. You can add a little honey if you want to drink it that way, but I like to take shots of it. It reminds me of hot pickle juice, and it's good for your gut, and it's really good for antiviral um, support in your body. It helps healthy liver function, cleans your blood, all of that beautiful stuff. So, or go onto my uh, Instagram. You can find the, the fire cider recipe that I posted and make your own. And I would love to hear if you do. All right. Take care, witches. Oh, my goodness. So I forgot to pull a card for us. <laughs> for the new moon. Or, I mean, the full moon. I, I have a lot um, in my mind right now. So let's pull a card. So this card is for the full moon in Aquarius, but also for, for, for Leo season. So kind of just... Taking the medicine as it comes. Let's see what wants to come through. Oh, Ten of Cups. You know, Ten of Cups is really the most emotionally fulfilled. So, uh, cups are emotion, emotional aspect. There's a sense of um, family, completeness, happiness, generosity. Um, it's really about a larger family. And... I really think this full moon in Aquarius can help us to see how our humanity and being on this planet is a collective of souls that are one and fractalized. Like it's not enough to say like we are one, like we are one with God. We are one with the divine source. We are one. I think, well, okay, not to say like that's not enough. If we get to that place in a soulful reality, maybe. There are so many people who really want to carve out something that is only for themselves. And from the perspective of, of Aquarius full moon, I think we have access to the information that, you know, what, what I like to say as, we're spinning through the universe together on purpose. You know, there's no mistake that we're all here right now at this time. And for the audacity to say, like, I have nothing to learn from you to anybody um, is pretty short-sighted. Even if you really don't like the way that they show up or like their politics or like their ideas or think that they're hateful, um, we don't have to tolerate and we don't have to absorb their ideologies, but we can, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, we can kind of try on and see how it feels in order to help us understand where they're coming from in the, in the light of the full moon in Aquarius. I really do hope that we embrace a larger sense of community and a larger sense of, um, heartfelt connection um, as a whole. 
I know there are a lot of people who want to say I'm not like them and that makes me good. And um, that really hurts your own soul to say that. I really truly believe that. It marks you to say there's no way I want to be like that in such a hateful way and that I hope they get what they deserve. And that, you know, so noticing, and this maybe comes from my, my Buddhist love and light kind of, not, not that Buddha's love and light, by the way, this very balanced kind of sense of reality where I'm not going to argue with the reality that I experience these things, right? My experiences are real to me. If you don't want to see my experiences as valid, then you invalidate me. And this is true for all of us. So while I accept and can understand that you're experiencing your reality, can we agree that our realities are not the same? And there's specific reasons why our realities are not the same. And when we bring compassion and love, like the Ten of Cups indicates, to that and say, wow, what if I soften around my identity saying that it relies on me expressing myself in a very specific way from a, you know, in a individualistic kind of stance, I miss out. I miss out on, on being seen and heard because I am not describing myself correctly by saying my reality is the reality, (laughs) right? It's not, it's mine. If you would like to share, um, how our realities kind of overlap, that's called resonance, right? We can resonate together. Dissonance comes from feeling into someone else's reality and, and feeling a dissonance, not feeling as if that reality lines up. So when we talk about those fuzzy edges, and that's what personal psychology teaches, we must talk about those edges. Where are those edges where it slices and it gets really uncomfortable between what I am and what you are or how I believe and how you believe or, um, and, and can we, can we soften that edge enough to stand there together and say, tell me more about your reality and then can we then talk about mine without the intention of changing it but the intention to hold this generous space like the ten of cups suggests all right that's all i've got for you i love you take care this is really the end of it this time hey thanks so much for listening If you've enjoyed this podcast or benefited from it, I'd love for you to subscribe or rate or review to help spread the word and get this podcast into the ears of witches just like you. Clearly, we are in crazy times. If you want to check out the Astrologic Lab, it's here, it's waiting, it's alive, and it's growing. Go to paintedgoddess.com and find out more today.